She Makes Money Moves is a production of Glamour and iHeartRadio. I, I was unexpectedly laid off, which left us without health insurance, without our college and retirement fund contributions, and really sort of dwindling emergency savings with which to pay our mortgage. I'm Samantha Barry, the editor-in-chief of Glamour, and this is She Makes Money Moves. According to a recent Harris poll for CareerArc, 40% of Americans have lost their job at least once. And with rumblings of a recession in the news, that same poll found that almost half of Americans with jobs are worried about losing them. Whether you're laid off or just plain fired, losing your job can send you into a tailspin. Well, let me just let me just say, as I ease out of the office, I helped build. I'm sorry, but it's a fact that there is such a thing as manners. A way of treating people. These fish have manners. These fish have manners. In fact, they're coming with me. I'm starting a new company and the fish will come with me. Today's guest didn't run out with the office fish, but a recent layoff has changed her outlook on job security. Her last position paid more than $150,000 a year. As a married mom, she earned most of the family's income. They decided um, in late February that some people had to go. And that's, uh, that's, that's when I went, and that was very shocking. I know at this point I will never again go into a job saying, I'm going to have this job until I have another job. It will always be in the back of my head, what if? A few months into her job search, she's trying to stretch her family's savings until she's employed again. This is her story. My name is Brandon Rankin. I'm 46 years old and I work in corporate communications. As a young married couple, Brandon and her husband were living a little better than paycheck to paycheck, but not much better. They both worked in Norwalk, Connecticut. She was an editor. He worked in marketing and advertising. The couple didn't have much money when they eventually decided to buy a house. But they loved their life. Kids seemed like a natural next step. And when, when I got pregnant, we were just elated that we were going to have this baby and we were finally at a place where maybe we weren't financially where we wanted to be, but we, we knew that we could make it work. Although Brandon's company didn't offer paid maternity leave, they would allow her to work from home whenever she was ready to return. Money was tight, but they figured they would be okay if Brandon took a few weeks of unpaid leave. So um, I, I was fine, went to the hospital, we had our son, it was wonderful, we brought him home. And then I took another look at the finances and thought, hmm, we don't have the cushion that I, I thought we had. So I, I called work. I think this was four, four days after I had my son. And I said, okay, I'm ready to come back. And they thought I was kidding, but, but I wasn't. It was important to me at that point um, not to miss a pay period. Working from home with a newborn was easy for Brandon at first. Not so much, though, when he became mobile. And um, then he became um, rapidly curious and really fast. Brandon could no longer give work the attention it needed. But without her income, 
they wouldn't be able to pay their mortgage. So we looked at the options. You know, what, what can we do? Putting our son in daycare was something that um, we didn't actually want to do, plus the, um, the cost of it would have um, really sort of negated any benefit of me going back to work for that too. So we decided to move back to where my family um, is from, where I was raised in Rochester, New York, where the quality of living is, um, the, is a little more affordable. As soon as her husband found a job in Rochester, they sold their house in Connecticut. For now, the family could live on his salary while Brandon stayed at home with their son. They planned to stay with Brandon's parents for a few weeks while looking for a new house. It ended up being longer than that because three weeks after we moved back to Rochester, my husband's company closed and he lost his job. (laughs) Yeah, he lost his job. So obviously we couldn't buy a house. And uh, my poor parents, we were actually there for nine months. When Brandon's husband was offered his next full-time job, the couple bought a house of their own. Although Brandon was busy with their son, she was thinking about the family's financial future. Debt, college tuition, retirement. She started to plan her next career move. Stepping away from full-time employment had given her some perspective. And it sort of allowed me to evaluate the aspects of the writing and editing that I had done before that I really, really loved and, and some of the things that I, that I didn't as well. After a lot of research, she chose to pivot to communications. It suited her skills and interests and the job outlook was promising. So I went back to graduate school. I got a master's degree in strategic public relations. The couple put a lot of thought into that decision. I think possibly when you're 18 years old, you think things will just work out. But when you go back to, to graduate school and you're, you know, you're a little older, maybe 35 or so, you start to think about how much it's actually going to cost. It was nerve wracking to borrow $40,000, but for Brandon, it was a calculated risk. She was offered a full-time communications job in Rochester before she graduated. I arrived for the first day of work at my job, and, and it was great. Everybody was really welcoming. I, I had an office, which was another wonderful thing. I was like, wow, I feel, I feel like a grown-up. I feel like I've done everything I'm supposed to do. Things just started to feel easier. The work was, was challenging, and I was always learning something new, and I loved that part of it. And I also loved not having to worry so much about what's next, what's next, what's next. We had finally gotten to the point that we had planned for, where I had my degree. I had, um, I had a job. We were a dual-income household again. Their son was a little older now, and they wanted to share new experiences with him. We took him to Disney World, and he loved it. You know, like any other kid, he's like, this is the life, Mom. Um, and it kind of was. Life continued to get better. Within five years of, of, of graduating, my salary jumped from less than $40,000, what it was in, in publishing, to um, almost $100,000, which was great. I mean, we were able to do more things. You know, we, we love to travel. Our son loves to travel. Um, we took him to Rome. And those are the things that we kind of splurged on. But I look at and say, boy, would I go back and do that again? I would. But Brandon was also spending money that might have been better off in a savings account. People say that when you make more, you spend more. (laughs) And I I think that's true. 
You know, you, you look at the organic produce and you think that looks much healthier. I'm going to get that. You don't end up getting as much ahead as you thought because you hadn't planned that you were going to scale your lifestyle up accordingly. And she was letting her guard down financially. I think that at every other point in, in our marriage, we knew that we had to prepare for some catastrophic event, you know, something, something bad to happen. So I think that at that point, we were, we were just thinking, we've got everything we wanted, we've got everything we worked for, but what we stopped doing was preparing for an emergency. That's when things started to go wrong. My husband's uh, company decided to downsize and my, my husband got downsized with it. And then I, I actually lost my job in a corporate restructuring. And at that point, um, they, um, they took excellent care of me. I, d- I did have severance so that I, I was able to um, have a little bit of time before I needed to panic. I didn't take that time. I uh, decided to start looking immediately. Her husband quickly found contract work, but it was harder for Brandon. You know, I, I got into the point in my career where there just weren't very, very many jobs available at the, at the level I was at in Rochester because it's a very, very small market. More on She Makes Money Moves right after this quick break. I'm Samantha Barry. Welcome back to She Makes Money Moves. Brandon widened her job search to other cities and soon negotiated an offer. Everything about the job was perfect, except it was 400 miles away in Boston. So, you know, we moved, we moved to Boston three months later. Um, I became my family's primary earner. I was um, bringing home more than 150000 a year, which allowed my husband to continue to work from home as an independent contractor so that one of us could still be there for our son after school. You know, in, in the Boston area, which pretty much everyone knows, the cost of living is more than three times what we had left behind in Rochester. But that was okay because um, I could support our family on my salary. Relocating wasn't easy, but the family was adjusting. Things were going well. I was at my job in Boston for a little over a year and a half. Um, It was really enjoying, you know, the challenges that it presented and the work that we were able to do. Um, And then I I, I was unexpectedly laid off, which left us without health insurance, without our college and retirement fund contributions, and really sort of dwindling emergency savings with which to pay our mortgage. Brandon had been through this before, so she fought hard for a better severance. They prepaid a few months of their mortgage and curbed their spending, so for now they're okay financially. But she's worried that they won't be for much longer. Something else is always on the horizon, isn't it? You know, I have to finish paying for my education. Our son, we fully expect, is going to go to college in five years. My husband and I need to have a solid retirement plan. In the past, we were, we were definitely big planners. And um, because we work hard, our plans generally, generally work out. But um, I think we know that's not always the case either. So at this point, we, we worry. There's the worry of not regaining the sort of comfort we had with our standard of living before and, you know, if we'll get it back again and, you know, when we get it back again, um, what should we do differently? To 
Today's expert has also been laid off. She lost her job as a preschool teacher and then lost her home to foreclosure and moved in with her parents. She also pivoted her career and today, instead of teaching three-year-olds, she's teaching women about money. Hey, 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 it's me, Tiffany, the Budgetnista. I'm your favorite financial educator. I help women go from where they are to where they want to be with their money. Okay, Tiffany. Yes. Brandon, she's going through and has gone through what a lot of people listening will have gone through at some stage in their career. Mm -hmm. Being laid off, it's not the end of the world, right? No, it's not. I mean, I've been, I mean, the recession, I think, put a, a lot of us out of work for, for a long period of time. That's one of the reasons why I started the Budget Nista, honestly, is because I lost my job. It was devastating and I, it felt like the end of the world. But what it forced me to do was to look at how did I get here? Mm-hmm. Not the job loss, because sometimes you just can't help that. No, industry, yes. restructure, it just many reasons. Mm-hmm. So the job loss, you couldn't help. But what can you help? In Brandon's case, I was impressed that she fought for a better severance after getting laid off. I think most people know that you can negotiate your salary, but they don't know you can ask for more after you've been let go. In both cases, you might not get what you're asking for, but you have to ask. So hopefully you'll have some severance and savings too. Once you're laid off, how should you be using or rationing this money? You start with a budget, and I call it your noodle budget. And so I, the joke is, you know, when you're broke and you're a college student, you, you live off ramen noodles. noodles yeah. yes. <laughs> so the noodle budget is if you had to eat ramen noodles, meaning if you had to pare down to your, your only your essentials, mm-hmm. how much would that life cost? You know, what would we do if we got laid off? If we have to, we will drop immediately to our noodle budget. Yeah, right. Even if you feel like you're in the most secure job, you need to know your monthly noodle budget. And then you need to have three to six times that in the bank. More on She Makes Money Moves right after this quick break. I'm Samantha Barry. Welcome back to She Makes Money Moves. Brandon and her husband have both been through layoffs, so they know it takes time to find a new job. How can they set themselves up to handle the transition better if it happens again? So I think that when something keeps happening over and over, it's almost like you're playing a video game and you're stuck because you're doing the same moves. Mm -hmm. You have to do different moves if you're going to move past this board. How do you hedge your bets? Mm -hmm. So when something does happen, you're not left with nothing. Especially because she's having a hard time finding a job with the title and salary she just had. Nobody wants to take a pay cut. So maybe it's thinking outside the box. So is it possibly working at a job? And then you think to yourself, how can I consult or make additional income on the side? When you're making additional income on the side, my two rules are, one, it's either something you went to school for because then people will typically pay you more. Mm -hmm. Or two, it's something that you are currently doing as your job. So I used to teach. And so on the side, I would tutor. So what that meant was that I didn't have to learn a new skill. She started her career as an editor, so maybe that's something she could incorporate into a side job. Is there a way for Brandon to grow money while also keeping it accessible? Sometimes they're at odds with each other. They are at odds with each other. The more accessible your money, the less likely it is to grow. 
financial institutions, they take your money and they invest it. That's why checking accounts, typically you don't earn interest on it because money in, money out. And savings accounts, you can earn a little bit more of interest because they don't have to worry about you withdrawing it so quickly. If you want it super accessible, it's cash. Look for an online-only bank that's going to, one, be FDIC-insured. That means the federal government is backing your money up to, I think, $250,000, right? Also, two, that earns the, the highest interest rate. That online-only bank doesn't have the, the overhead of a brick and mortar, so they pass that savings on to you, and you get to earn more interest. Right. There's actually a site called Nerd Wallet, and you can use that to compare the interest rates that different online banks and bricks and mortar banks offer on savings accounts. What if you don't need the money right now, but you want to be able to access it in, say, six months or a year? You might want to look into a, a CD, which is a certificate of deposit. So your money is locked in for that period, six months, a year. And if you withdraw it early, there's typically a penalty. Brandon always made contributions to her retirement while she was working. She has a 401k and a Roth IRA. Could she withdraw money from those if she really needs to? If, like, Let's say if her job search takes longer than expected. I took the money out of my 401k and it's one of my biggest regrets because it is your younger self's job to look after your older self. Right. So imagine that you live with your grandma and you are like, you know what, grandma, you know, you're actually going to have to work. Just get up, get to work. I mean, I'm working a little bit too, but you, you need to pull your weight. Grandma. Right. We would never do that. But that's what essentially what you do when you don't do everything you can now as your younger self. You are putting your older self to work mm-hmm. when your older self doesn't have the energy, doesn't have the capacity as much as you do. You have you have everything that you need right now. Right. So taking money from your retirement account should be your absolute last option. If you can figure out other ways to keep your head above water, I think it's important that you exhaust all those options first. I don't want you to go homeless, you know, but... If you take money out of your retirement account and you're not at least 59 and a half, you're losing 10% as a fee. And then on top of that, you're going to pay income tax on that money. So if you withdraw, let's say $100,000, you're going to pay $10,000 just in fees and then taxes on top of that. You're basically taking money from yourself. You shouldn't jeopardize your long-term financial future if you can find another solution to a short-term problem. But... If the circumstances become really dire, what, what else can somebody do? Call, call whoever runs your, the water, mm-hmm. call whoever you get your um, electricity from, call them and see, do you have something to account for hardship? Because oftentimes you'd be surprised there are some companies that will extend a grace to you. What's the script you can use when you call these companies? Hi, this is Tiffany. I'm calling because I've experienced a hardship. I've lost my job. I don't want to be late. You know, I want to continue to be a, a great customer. I'm looking, is there some sort of assistance that you can offer me? What do they do usually in that, those cases? What can they do? Typically, there's a pause involved, and then they'll put that money on the back end, but at least it's something. So right. we all know for student loans, if you have federal student loans, there's forbearance. Same thing. They put it on pause and it just continues to grow as you, even though you're not paying it, but at least you're not going into default. So you're still obviously going to have to pay off the loans, but it can buy you some time. What if the company says no and they won't put your account on pause? So honestly, this was hard for me to learn. But when the recession hit, I had to acknowledge someone's not going to get paid. 
Like, you know what? Cell phone, it's going to be late. Cable, I'm going to cut it off, but the bill that I do owe, it's going to be late. Right. You have to prioritize who is going to get paid based upon, like, you have to eat, you have to have a place to live, Mm -hmm. you know? So this is an extreme when you're really like, I don't have it. Will your credit score take a bit of a hit? Yes, but mine went from a 802 when I was in my 20s and then... When the recession happened, I dropped down to a 547, and now I'm back in the 800s. Your credit score is a movable piece, and again, this is for an extreme situation. Layoffs are so difficult on top of financial uncertainty that you're dealing with all the emotional parts of unemployment and job hunting. The situation might make some people feel anxious or embarrassed. I know that it's it's scary and it's hard, but honestly, finding some support and accountability partner, so whether that's your significant other, your best friend, someone that you can speak openly about what you're going through financially and you guys are working on it together. So I believe in that tremendously. You can't control layoffs, but you can control how prepared you are. That's the real trick to getting through one. Start building your emergency fund right now. Figure out your noodle budget, then put $100 into a savings account or $10 or whatever you can afford today. Start there. Your first goal is to get that account to $1,000 and then get it to six times your noodle budget. If you do get let go from your job, ask for a better severance package. Make sure you go back and look at your employment contract. You could be entitled to more. If you lose your job and bills are stacking up, don't ignore the pile. Figure out exactly what you owe and call the companies to figure out how you're going to pay them. The only way you're going to get help is by having these conversations. To learn more about what we've talked about in this episode, visit glamour.com slash money. And if you'd like to share your story, we'd love to hear it and help you make money moves. Email us at money at glamour.com. She Makes Money Moves is a production of Glamour and iHeartRadio with new episodes dropping every Tuesday. I'm your host and Glamour's editor-in-chief, Samantha Barry. The podcast is co-written and co-produced by Kim Fusaro and Deanna Buckman with support from Lauren Brown West Rosenthal. Editorial oversight is provided by Maddie Kahn. Christina Everett is our executive producer. Mary Dew is our audio engineer. Recording help provided by Kevin Matthews and Joe Jajora. Julie Shen heads up business and development of this podcast and Pat Singer heads up our research team. Special thanks to Tiffany Alashay and Brandon for sharing her story. 